0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange of Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. And Scott Patsko joining us as well. Scott, how are you? We're doing good. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk quarterbacks, specifically the Browns quarterback. Mary Kay, you put up a story. Actually, just a few minutes before we started recording this, Dan Orlovsky uh, has very high expectations for Baker Mayfield in 2020. Um, but why don't you kind of catch us up on, on what he told you about Baker? And we're actually, uh, you know, a little later this week or early next week, we'll actually put that audio up as one of our podcasts. You'll get to actually hear Orlovsky talk about it. Just kind of get us caught up uh, on what he had to say about Baker.
1: You know, he, he was really good. I mean, he really just broke it down into the fact that uh, Freddie Kitchens tried to have Baker Mayfield into too much of a drop back game last year. He wasn't suited to it. He kind of jammed him into that and forced him to, to be something that he really wasn't. And then, of course, we know that in addition to uh, it not being a scheme fit, we also know uh, in thing, people that I've talked to and players that have talked about it, uh, that it was, you know, chaotic and haphazard and it just was kind of dysfunctional. Uh, so you mix all those things together and Baker came out 31st, you know, through 21 interceptions for second in the NFL. Uh, his QBR uh, rating was down, I think, around 19. He was 22, I think it was, in pro football focus rating so it just wasn't the year anybody expected him to have but basically uh, Orlovsky's whole uh, belief is that Baker is going to have a monster season because of the system the play action-based system that Kevin Stefanski is going to put him in this season.
0: Yeah Scott um, Orlovsky's not alone in, in these high expectations for Baker. Um, I, I feel like I've sort of seen the narrative change a little bit on, on this football team. There are people that were kind of slow to come around and maybe this you know this offense is gonna take off again and now I think people are kind of all back in on this and it starts with Baker
2: yeah I think I think everybody needs to be a little cautious and I think a lot of people are but I think for the Browns overall and Baker in general it's like let's just take it easy with the big predictions this year you know I mean he could have a massive year that's it certainly seems to be setting up that way but um maybe some some cautious optimism I think but if you do if you look at who the Browns hired as the head coach and the offense he brings and what he did for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. And the fact that, you know, Baker Mayfield, I think had the biggest difference between uh, completion percentage and adjusted completion percentage when you added in play action passing, you know, all those things seem to point towards a big year. Plus the fact that he still has the end of 2018 in the back of our minds, you know, That, that still exists. And we, we saw, Baker play at a high level maybe not against the best defenses but we saw him excel so 2019 wasn't great but you still have that and you add this now on the other end of this bookend of Kevin Stefanski coming in with his new offense and yeah you can be optimistic I think I think you have every right to be but I would just say uh don't get over don't go overboard with the big expectations yet I think we we should have learned our lesson last year
0: yeah probably this this is shaping up to potentially be is is there such a thing as a gap year in football because it just feels like when when i look at this everybody is just really ready to look at 2019 and just say you know what that was all on freddie kitchens that was all just everything was chaotic and a mess Uh, you know we're we're gonna hit the reset button in, in 2020 and get back to what we saw in the second half of 2018 but I do think Scott's right, Mary Kay, that we do have to be a little bit cautious. It's really easy right now to say, well, it was all Freddie's fault and it was all the coaching staff. So it was all, everything was just a mess and it was all their fault and they're all gone. Everything's going to be fixed. But at the same time, all of these players, including Baker, need to look in the mirror and kind of figure out what role they played in that and, and how they can get better, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And actually, I'm trying to do this as a series. So I'm going to be reaching out to a cross section of different NFL experts, uh, you know, maybe some coaches and and different kinds of uh, people from different walks of NFL life to weigh in on the prospects for Baker Mayfield in 2020. And I, you know, I'm hoping they don't all sound the same. I'm hoping (laughs) not everybody says, He's going to have a monster season. Uh, you know, hopefully some some people will, you know, pump the brakes a little bit and, uh, you know, and maybe kind of, you know, give a differing viewpoint. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but I do think that they are putting him into an offense that is very quarterback friendly, and it is set up and designed to help a quarterback excel. And uh, Orlovsky uses the examples of, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill, uh, they're all kind of, uh, you know, the statistics are off the charts with these quarterbacks operating out of this play action based scheme. And, and that's basically the whole point, you know, a lot of play faking, uh, a lot of running the football, a lot of illusion of running the football. And, and as you mentioned, Scott, uh, with, with Baker's adjusted completion percentage and all that sort of stuff, his numbers in play action, although he didn't he wasn't in it a ton, uh, his numbers were just so much better, so much better than out of play action. And even if you just make that one change, that one minor change, uh, his production should increase dramatically.
0: Yes, Scott, that's sort of the, you know, when we talk about the reasons for positivity, and and we'll get to some of the, you know, reasons to maybe be a little concerned later. But the reasons for positivity are, you know, Jimmy Haslam sat in front of us and talked about alignment, you know, and he made the big changes in the coaching staff and and the front office. And he, he talked about, you know, analytics and sort of how a piece of that is looking at the personnel you have saying they are best in this formation or this type of play and putting them in that type of situation and that type of play as often as possible. And so what do they do? They go out and hire a coach who loves big personnel, who loves play action, who really did a nice job with a guy like Kirk Cousins. You know, Ultimately, you're hoping Baker Mayfield's career is better than a Kirk Cousins or, or someone like that. But if that's at least the baseline we're starting from, you know, you've got something to work
2: with there yeah I thought it was i think uh Jimmy even mentioned play action passing in that press conference I think, so. I think he actually specifically mentioned that which makes you think okay uh he's paying attention to that or the people around him are are making it known to him that that kind of thing is important uh, and maybe it wasn't as important last uh with the last coaching regime uh you know who knows uh but you're right, i think maybe the relationship between the coach and the and the quarterback isn't as big a deal as putting the quarterback in the best best position possible. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big difference between now and and last year because really all the things we're saying about Kevin Stefanski coming in and being the new coach and and, and bringing this offense and this creativity and being able to do all these wonderful things pretty much what we said about Freddie Kitchens when he kind of took over, you know, at, at that point there was someone else who was the problem, you know it was Hugh Jackson and, and, and his offense and and his schemes. And, and, and now you're switching to Freddie Kitchens and he has this whole off season to get things up, build around, you know, Baker Mayfield. And, you know, again, big expectations, but uh, yeah, I think it seems to be uh, more of a focus now that there are ways to get Baker Mayfield in successful situations. And they're really trying to drive home how they do that. And, you know, like Mary Kay said, having Kevin Stefanski and, Um, whatever analytics methods they want to use and how they want to use them, it seems to be a bigger focus this time.
0: And, And part of that, too, is, you know, there's more data points now, right? Like back, you know, when they fired Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley and brought in Freddie Kitchens, we still didn't quite know exactly who Baker Mayfield was and exactly where he excelled and what he was good at. And Freddie figured some things out in that second half. For whatever reason, that stuff wasn't there last year. But there were still those data points there and, and you go to pro football focus and, and you look at their advanced stats and, and the difference between play action and non-play action. We kind of keep harping on that, but there's a reason because we're going to see a lot of that and, and the difference was so stark with Baker Mayfield. So it, it's sort of having more data points now and being able to, as Paul DiPodesta likes to say, make this a quarterback-centric uh, football team, You know, kind of put the pieces around Baker Mayfield that fit a little better instead of just kind of throwing a bunch of talent out there and kind of making him figure it out.
1: And as Orlovsky pointed out in, in the story that I did, uh, he really thought that that they could play, you know, the spread type off of offense and that Baker was going to excel in that. I mean, he was, he was surprised uh, that he didn't excel, excel in more of a drop back spread type scheme. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just didn't work in the NFL Baker in part because, uh, you know, as as he explained, I mean, a shorter quarterback, I mean, you're going to, uh, you know, constrict that pocket, you know, really very, very quickly. So uh, he really believes that, uh, you know, the wide zone, uh, the the play action and all these kinds of things that these guys are going to be able to do uh, are really going to open up those passing lanes for Baker Mayfield, which he really needs and that he's going to have Uh, you know, a lot of outlets and a lot of different things that he can do. He shouldn't get in the kind of trouble that he got himself into last year to the point where he was throwing 21 interceptions. And if he is doing that, he's going to be standing over on the sidelines uh, or sitting over there there on the bench And case Keenum is going to be in the game because they're not going to tolerate that. You know, they're not going to tolerate 21 interceptions. Uh, So there's a lot to think about here. I mean, you've got, they have surrounded him with a ton of talent and they're surrounding him with the scheme and those are all good things, but then you have to consider, the fact that there's no practice right now they're installing a brand new scheme and they're not together they're on computers
0: yeah so that's um you you mentioned the interception so let's just go there i mean that's that's the area that you have to look at and say that can't happen that that has to be better now where every single one of those 21 interceptions his fault last year course not they never are for any quarterback you look at Jameis Winston right who is the king of the interception and not all of those are his fault but when you throw 21 interceptions that's a lot you go back to that rookie here I've got it up here he threw 14 interceptions in 14 games his rookie year including as we've said before he threw three against Houston he threw three against Baltimore in the season finale uh, you know those are That's sort of the area of concern. That's the area where he needs to be better. And Baker Mayfield is a guy that is gonna take some chances. He's got that gunslinger mentality. You might have to live with slightly higher interception numbers than maybe a a Tom Brady or or someone like that who doesn't throw a ton of interceptions and maybe doesn't always take a ton of risks. But, you know, Baker's gotta find that balance and and make sure that that interception number doesn't balloon. Because you're right, Mary Kay, if that happens, that's when we start to say, well, you know, maybe, maybe you got to turn to Case Keenum for a couple of weeks when, when those, if those turnovers start to pile up. And and Scott, yes. and, and, you know, you rave about that rookie year with those 27 touchdowns. But again, even then 14 picks that year too.
2: Yeah. that the big difference this year is like what Mary Kay mentioned Case Keenum's here. You know, it's not Garrett Gilbert over there on the sideline uh, behind Baker Mayfield anymore, or even, even Drew Stanton, who we didn't really get to see, what he could do we debated it a lot (laughs) but we never really got to see what he could do on the field Uh, but you do have someone who's demonstrated their ability to come in as a backup and and have success and the last thing we need in Cleveland is another quarterback controversy but I think having somebody behind him to push him um, maybe helps with that and I think overall aren't we kind of expecting it to be more less quantity and more quality from Baker Mayfield this year we're not expecting him to have maybe the amount of attempts that he's had uh, so far in his career this year because we know that Kevin Stabansky wants to run the ball and he wants to make most use of, of, the, of the running backs he has. So so maybe it's more about just having more quality and, and kind of having less, you know, less opportunity to throw those interceptions.
1: I think Baker's going to look for those one-on-one matchups, and I think he and, and I think he's going to get them. And like you said, Scott, I agree. He probably will have less opportunity, uh, but he knows to look for those. Uh, that, that is one thing that's been drilled into his head is to is to find those one-on-one matchups. And if they uh, play their cards right, the way that they should, uh, and the, the way that they're planning to, uh, he will find those opportunities, and he will have those passing lanes uh, in in which to throw. Uh, the football, so I, I think it's going to be. I mean, if it if it works out the way that it's supposed to, and they have time to bring it all together, uh, I do think it could be a, a big year for Odell Beckham Jr. and a bigger year for for Jarvis Landry. Than you know, I I just don't think they're going to be as unhappy as they were last year.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I'm looking it up. Baker Mayfield was tenth in the NFL last year in in pass attempts, and when you go look at, at what he did last year, he had 534 pass attempts. Um, and then Kirk Cousins, for example, now in one less game, Kirk Cousins had 444. So that that's sort of your, your point of reference there, that, that Minnesota, even with that one less game, that's a significant difference. It's almost 100 pass attempts. It's, it's 90 pass attempts, actually. There's my English degree at work and, uh, <laughs> from Kent State. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think that's the the thing of this. When we talk about what to expect from Baker Mayfield and Dan Orlovsky got into this and and there was someone else who was talking about this too. A lot of people are predicting, well, he'll be top 10 in yards and top 10 in this and that. And maybe he will be, Mm -hmm. but the reality is, even if he's not in those categories, I think what we're, what we're after is efficiency. If he's efficient and the offense is efficient and maybe he'll have some big yardage games, maybe he'll have some games like he did in that five and three stretch where he doesn't throw the ball a whole lot but he's still efficient when he does throw the ball. That's really what you're after, more than just kind of, you know, piling up those counting stats. Just protect the football, be more efficient, and you're going to ascend pretty quickly up those quarterback
2: ranks. I think the one thing I I definitely expect to see from Baker Mayfield is more confidence in the pocket and not as much of a willingness to escape. Mm -hmm. Um, he, He has to have more confidence in the offensive line this year. I don't see how he couldn't. Uh, it seemed to be a, a bigger issue last year, and uh, so many of the quarterback pressures and the sacks that he endured last year were of his own making. If you're looking at how Pro Football Focus rates that kind of thing, he was second on the team in <laughs> quarterback pressures uh, allowed, right behind Chris Hubbard. Um, so he he had a lot to do with his his own problems, and you know that obviously is related to what was going on in front of him. Um, the other thing that that I think is going to that I would expect to see is better separation from Odell and Jarvis on their passing routes. They're expected to be healthy, maybe not right from the get go, but you know, we're all expecting to see them at their best this season. Cause they've told us that last season wasn't their best, you know, they're working through injuries. Um, So you combine that with a, with an offensive line that's upgraded, then I think you're going to see a more confident Baker in the, in the pocket, knowing that he's got protection, knowing that his top two receivers can get open and are, and are playing, you know, 100% healthy.
1: Interestingly enough, and I guess from a numbers standpoint, this makes total sense. Of course, he would have most of his interceptions being thrown to Odell and Jarvis, but he had a lot of interceptions that were intended for those two guys. The mm-hmm. the vast majority uh, were intended for those two players, and uh, and you know, I I think that. This year, they're they're going to have to have their timing down better. Those guys are going to have to be more precise route runners that are not going to be able to freelance as much as they did in the past. And Baker likes to know that you're going to be where you're supposed to be uh, at the end of that route. He wants to put the football there. It's a precision timing offense and he's going to need that from them. And I asked Alex Van Pelt about that uh, when we had him in his introductory press conference. He said, no, you, you can't be freelancing in this. This is a timing, precision offense. So that's something that another uh, you know thing to think about with uh, not having an off season and not having these uh, workouts is they're going to need that time. They're going to need some training camp to, to kind of get that rhythm down. It's just how it's going to have to be.
0: I, I do think that plays into Baker's strengths, though. Uh, just kind of remembering what we saw again at the end of twenty eighteen. The, the timing, right? When he can sit back in the pocket and kind of go through, and and like you said, Mary Kay, find that one on one matchup. And then the other thing, you know, when that if the play starts to break down okay, that's when you start that scramble drill. And that's when he, you know, a few times was able to punish a defensive back who maybe fell down or, or lost a step on Jarvis. Or, you know, we all remember that throw. I think it was against Carolina, maybe. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we see it all the time where he, he found Jarvis on that long pass um, on the run. Uh, you, you know, you want those at the ends of plays. We don't want those at the beginnings of plays like we saw a lot this year. So if he's able to kind of initially go back go through his reads, go through his progressions, find the matchup. And then when things start to break down, be that fun Baker Mayfield who can kind of run around and make some magic happen on the move, even though, you know, he's not a super athlete, but when he has to move and he has to get the ball down the field in those scramble drills, he he was so good at it a few years ago. Um, So yeah, when, when we talk about what to expect from Baker, you know, I don't know if there's, there's hard numbers to attach to it, but I think it's, it's safe to say that all of us assume we're going to see closer to what we saw at the end of his rookie season than what we saw last year, that that gap year,
1: right? You know what? I, I think um, when when I think of Baker Mayfield, certain things come to mind. There are things about him that I have found to be so special, and it was so disappointing that we didn't see those things enough last year one of those things was the uncanny accuracy he can just throw dimes and he can put it right on the money and i asked dan arlovsky do you expect that accuracy to come back and he said in spades yes 100 i expect him to be very accurate in this offense when he feels con- confident because he's aggressive confident and accurate and when again he can stand back there and just, you know, be able to sling it and pick out something that he likes and just go for it. Uh, that's when I think he's going to be at his best. As you mentioned, mentioned, Dan, he's not, you know, super fast necessarily, or super, super athletic. But what he is, is he's so elusive in a surprising kind of a way, right? I mean, you think that he's not going to be able to get away from trouble, and somehow he slips a sack. He just has a knack for doing that. Uh, You know, he just can, you know, take that one step up or that one step to the side. Uh, And and those are, are the kinds of things I think that made him so special last year, but he just wasn't playing with the swagger. And with the confidence, I think he was frustrated as heck. I think they all were. I think they were so frustrated after those first few, like as Jarvis has said, after those first few scripted plays, there didn't seem to be an identity. There didn't seem to be a game plan. We've already heard Baker say this offseason last week, we heard him say it. We all respect the heck out of Kevin Stefanski because we know how he's going to attack this. He has a plan. We know what we're going to do. Right now, they have an offensive identity more than they had last year, even though they're not together.
2: Yeah, that's true. The offensive identity is finally here. It's something that we would ask about all the time. What is the offense's identity? I don't know if, I don't know if, if Freddie Kitchens could ever really answer that. Um, but you're right about his escapability. Um, and that, I think, leads to also his durability. He hasn't missed a, a start. Uh, now, he got uh, kind of banged up. I think it was the second Pittsburgh game. He hit his hand on on someone's face mask and went out for a couple of plays. And I think the rest of that week, we were wondering if he was actually going to miss you know, would he be able to even throw in practice? But he ended up starting the next week. And, you know, that durability is important. It's something we haven't seen a ton of <laughs> in, uh, from the Browns quarterbacks in recent years. Uh, so so that's good. I, think, I can't think of the number off the top of my head, but I know it's not a great percentage of quarterbacks that start 16 games uh, in the NFL at this point. So having somebody who's been able to do that, um, that's on the Browns side. Because if you had somebody who, who has demonstrated an inability to withstand bad offensive line play, you know, something's going to come up. And it's at some point Baker Mayfield is going to miss a game for whatever reason. And uh, it just hasn't happened yet. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like you said, his ability to kind of get out of those problem situations.
1: Well, we should mention that also, remember last year, he put on extra weight so that he could absorb a bigger hit this year. He's going to be leaner and meaner. We've already seen it. uh, And we know uh, that that's where he's going with that. So, uh, you know he should. Be, we'll we'll have to see what impact that has on the on the durability. To be a little lighter and quicker on his feet, uh, but I think it will serve him well in this kind of an offense.
0: All right, so there we go. What to expect from Baker Mayfield? We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to tell you about Football Insider. And then I've got a little question for you guys when we come back to wrap this podcast up. So yeah, it's that time again for me to tell you about Football Insider. It's our subscriber service where Mary Kay, me, Scott, and Ellis will text you a few times a day with analysis, news, anything worth thinking about the Cleveland Browns throughout the day. Just to give you some examples, we'll text you about three or four times a day. You know, Scott today uh, on Tuesday texted about uh, the Browns offensive depth chart for a story he's going to work on and some things he's thinking there. Uh, I I shared some thoughts on Peter King's interview with uh, Dr. Fauci and how I was feeling about maybe the state of football in the fall after listening to that. Uh, Ellis tweeted about fantasy football and and how the Ravens offense might stack up. So these are the sorts of things that we'll text you throughout the day, and it it varies every single day uh, depending on what's going on, if there's breaking news. And the thing is, you can reply directly to us, so you can have a conversation with us. It's not on Twitter or Facebook or any place like that. It's between you and whoever you're texting with right there on your phone. It's a great opportunity. We also do Texter Tuesdays on this podcast every single week where we do all Football Insider questions. You drive the narrative. You drive what we talk about in those podcasts. Plus, we do some live events that uh, our Football Insiders can be a part of. We did a really great one via Zoom. Uh, right before the draft, it, it was a really fun draft show. Uh, a good opportunity for a football insider. So here's how you can get involved to start your 14-day free trial. You go to cleveland.com/browns. There's a box on the right side of the page. You click there. It'll take you to an info page to start your 14-day free trial. After that, it's 3.99 a month. That's less than 14 cents a day. Now uh, you can cancel time, but I don't think you're going to want to. Or if you, if it's easier, you can text two one six. Two zero eight three nine six five. So again, to start that fourteen day free trial, text two one six two zero eight three nine six five. Now back to the show. And we're back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott pats Going before we go, I want to throw a question at you guys because I, I saw on Twitter today it's the anniversary of that crazy Kawhi Leonard shot from last year when uh, it was a buzzer beater. Uh, was, was it game seven? think it was and the, the ball bounced like four times and went in and he's on the ground and there's fans it was a great moment and I saw somebody kind of quote tweet a highlight of that and say you know this is one of those moments where you kind of take a step back from this job and realize hey you're, you're kind of lucky to get to do what you do so I wanted to throw this at you guys is there one game in particular that, that you just you kind of sit back and think, man, I can't believe I was there for that. It can be good. It can be bad. Whatever it is, just just one game that you're like, man, I can't believe I was there for that moment. Mary Kay, what, what do you have?
1: You know, I was thinking about this the other day. uh, Even when you guys saw that I tweeted out the fact that I had uh, interviewed Craig ELO after the shot, you know, watching The Last Dance and just remembering that and how cool that was. Uh, We are all of us, I know, very, very grateful for uh, the jobs that we have and the cool moments. I was just, I was thinking about that and the fact that you know, I've met Muhammad Ali and you know, Jim Brown and Michael Jordan and LeBron James, and uh, it's just been amazing to to think about being able to do this. Uh, so, so I've got a lot of big moments that, that I remember. But, you know, in, in keeping with the Baker Mayfield theme today, I'm going to go with uh, the Jets game. When, when he came in off that bench, it just seemed like a sea change. It just seemed like the Cleveland Browns were different and that the future was bright and fans had something to get excited about. They had something to drink after that. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and it just it just seemed like something great was happening in Cleveland and I, and I will always remember that night.
0: And, and I think a big piece of it was the unexpected part of it because obviously Todd yeah. Taylor was starting that game and we, we didn't know what was going to happen. There was a chance that maybe if he struggled Baker would come in, but then he, he suffers the concussion at the end of the half and um, unexpectedly there's Baker and, and he leads him back for, for that win. that was uh, a that, yeah that was definitely an, a, a big time night to be a part of Scott what do you have?
2: Uh, Mine isn't maybe a great memory. I uh, I was watching the last dance. I I don't know if it was this last episode, but they talked about Scottie Pippen being on the bench and not wanting to come out for the end of a, end of a playoff game. I believe it was after Michael Jordan had left and uh, Tony Kukoc got the last shot. Scottie Pippen was upset. They won the game, but in the locker room, nobody knew how to act because this thing had just happened. Well, that reminded me of the Browns and the Steelers and Miles Garrett and the helmet. And I'll never forget that game because obviously the craziness that happened at the end, you know, we're all up in the press box trying to get our our stories done to post right when the game ends about how the Browns just won this game and we're all kind of looking up and looking up again. And it's like, oh, what's going on? And people are swinging. But going down to the locker room after the game, it was just like what we saw in the last dance there. Nobody really understood how to act. It was very quiet. It certainly wasn't a victorious locker room. Um, I remember Miles Garrett um, getting dressed, and just the media kind of gathering around him, waiting to see if he would talk, and he did. And it was just this throng of people. It's like you know, usually there's a couple different groups, but everybody was around Miles Garrett and and talking to some of the other players. It was just you know these hushed tones, and it was just this weird experience that you know you won the game, but but you also lost something and. That's probably something I'm always gonna remember.
0: Yeah, one of one of those games where it was like the biggest win the Browns had really up to that point, but it felt like a loss, and a, a little bit like going back to that Scottie Pippen game. Mary Kay, um, Bill Cartwright gave like a speech in that game, right? I think that's what they said in the last dance, and I think it was Joel Batonio or, or someone who, who gave a little speech in in the locker room yeah.
1: uh,
0: after the uh, after the Browns Steelers game.
1: Yeah, and you know you're right, Scott. I mean that was so. Surreal to be going down after that and trying to ask those kinds of questions and listening to—I mean, Freddie was so steamed in his post-game press conference. You had Baker, uh, you know, on the field, you know, kind of talking about how wrong it was, what Miles did, you know. Then, then later, you know, things come out and we learned more about it, and that the tone changed and the narrative just continued to change, and uh, you know, and that is going to be a storyline that continues to give. I mean, we are, are going to be covering that obviously in a huge way in week six. And so it's not over yet.
0: Okay. So mine is uh we're going, we're all going recent with these kind of semi-recent, but mine is just, I I don't think I'm ever going to forget that Christmas Eve game against the Chargers for, for just so many reasons. The Browns were 0 and 14, um, nobody expected that team to go 0-16, and and they were 0-14, and I know just from our perspective, we were all dreading the week ahead if they lost that game because it was going to be the March to 0-16, and there was going to be national media coverage, and it's a Christmas Eve game. It's a Saturday game because Christmas is on a Sunday, so they're playing on Saturday at 1 p.m. A pretty good crowd there, surprisingly. It was cold. And there were a few Chargers fans, but a lot of Browns fans. The place was loud, and it was the Jamie Meter block. And it felt like they won the Super Bowl in the locker room afterwards. It was one of those moments, one of those rare moments where, like, the players and the and the media and the fans were all feeling the same way because everybody was just relieved. I think when when they won that game, Joe Thomas was in tears. Uh, Andrew Hawkins, I, I think, was emotional after that game. It was just, it, it was one of those weird. It was just a great moment in an absolutely miserable season. Then, of course, they turned around and went zero oh, sixteen the next year. Anyway, <laughs> um, but just that—that's one of those weird games where, like, really, your your most memorable game is from a one and fifteen season. But yeah, it's that one game. Just all everything surrounding it, and the fact that it was December twenty fourth, a Saturday at one o'clock, it, it was just bizarre. And and I think I I feel like it's one of those games where a lot more people maybe say they were there. Uh, <laughs> when they weren't you know uh but but yeah that, that's one of those those moments that i'm not gonna forget
1: yeah well the fact that it was christmas eve i think like you said it almost had a movie element to it yeah. you know like a christmas movie you could almost see it becoming uh you know one of those hallmark christmas specials uh joe thomas crying like you said <laughs> and uh you know just the emotion of of knowing that uh that they were not going to to you know match that record for futility. So uh so yeah it it did have some some Christmas magic to it.
2: The pierogi prince of Parma will (laughs) live forever. You know people forget he did not block the game winning attempt. That was earlier in the game. Um and then of course they came out I think it was Josh Lambeau and they were rushed and uh I think it went wide but yeah the celebration that got set off after that was was pretty intense.
0: It's been, it's been a strange few years. I mean, we all just picked yeah. moments from the last, you know, four years and they're all pretty good candidates. And so uh, that sums up Brown's football. Um, okay. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. As always make sure you are subscribed on Apple podcasts, Google play, Spotify uh, rate and review us and make sure you subscribe to football insider, go to cleveland.com Brown's check out the box on the right side of the page or text that number that I told you about earlier. For Scott and Mary Camden, thanks for listening, everybody.